We have been working and reading through the Bible, and we've been going through numbers, and part of what we've gone over in the last couple of weeks has been that great story of Balak and Balaam, and we're going to look at parts of that story as we look at God's people. And I'm sorry tonight, I did not do your printout, so maybe you've got something left over from this morning if you want to take some notes as we look over that. And I'll tell you, we're going to cover chapters 22 through 24, but we're not going to be here all night. We're only going to look at parts of those, not every word, not the whole story. But I want us to begin to think about, if you want to go ahead and open to the book of Numbers, chapter 22, And we'll be getting to that as you're turning there. But think about God and how God chose a group of people. And we know them as the Jews, the Israelite people. He chose and he made a covenant with them that they would be his people. And if they would follow him, then these things and blessings and all would come along. And we also know that God used humans to write the Bible. But he used their personality and he used who they were to relay messages. And we also see through scripture that God uses people and their personalities to carry out his purpose and his plan. And we see that very evident in the uh, time that people are in bondage in Egypt. God used Pharaoh's personality of of being dogmatic and being I'm the one in control and nobody's greater than I. He used that to be able to show who he was, who God was. He used Pharaoh's personality of being Pharaoh and being strong to be able to go against and defeat those gods that we talked about when we looked at that. And today we're going to see the same thing happening tonight as we look at Balak's personality and we look at Balaam's personality. As we look at God's people, we're going to be able to see exactly how this plays out. If you're all excited because you know about the talking donkey, let me just tell you I'm going to let you down because that's not what we're going to go into tonight. We're going to save that for another time. But we will get to the wonderful talking donkey. And when we think about that, just on a side note, you know, we don't really fully understand what the Garden of Eden was like. And it might have very well been that the animals spoke before the curse come in. But we do know that God is all-powerful, and God can do what he wants, and he allowed this donkey to talk. So that's your story on the talking donkey for tonight. But let's look at, when we're thinking of God's people, we're going to look in here and understand that Balaam had to do what he was told to do. And the first thing that I want us to look at is a separated people. When we look and we think about God's people, we know that they were a separated group of people and that God had chose to bless them and that they were separated. If you have your Bibles, let's open there. We're in chapter 22. And the first thing we're going to see is Balak, which is a king, calling for Balaam to come and to curse God's people. We know on this side of the story, bad idea. You don't call on someone to curse God's people. But sometimes in life, people do a lot of things they shouldn't when it comes to money or when it comes to fame 
or when it comes to something that can self-promote them, but Balaam stayed his course, and we see a separated people. Turn there in your Bibles to chapter 23 now, and let's look beginning in verse 7. It's on the screen. If you're able to read that, then you can follow along. I know our screen's a little small right now. Chapter 23, beginning in verse 7. And he took up this discord and said, From Aram, Balak has brought me Moab's king from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has cursed? And how can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? As I see him from the tops of the rocks, and I look at him from the hills, behold a people who dwells apart and will not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let me end be like his. We see a separated people here Balak is over in the land of the Canaan where God's people are now getting ready on the other side of the Jordan to come in and take over around Jericho. And Balak being king in all his might does have enough sense to realize that God's people are greater than he is. He knew that they were God's people. He's heard of all the testimonies of what's happened as they've made their way out of Egypt and how God has protected them. And every time they went to battle, they won. And Balak is shaking in his boots that they are at the edge of the Jordan River, getting ready to cross over. And he knows the only way it can happen is if those people are cursed. So he calls on Balaam and he sends for Balaam to come and to curse his people. And Balaam told him, I can only do what God's going to tell me to do. And he came, and this is what the Lord told him. It's the exact opposite of what Balak wanted. Balaam did not curse God's people, but he actually blessed them. So we see the difference here of what Balak is wanting, and his evil intention is to curse But God is using this idea. Remember I said he uses people's personality. God is using Balak's personality to want to come and to curse God's people to actually put a blessing on his people. And Balaam came and in that blessing that we just read, the first blessing, he talks about how they are a people who are separated. How they are a people that God has blessed. And he said that what God's blessed, how can I curse? And we see that God's people are blessed and that God is going to stay true to his covenant. He's not going to curse them. There are separated people. When God called them out of Egypt and at the foot of Mount Sinai, when he gave the law, God separated the Israelite people from the rest of the world. He said, you're going to be different. You're going to serve one God. That's different than the rest of the world. That's different from what they were used to. But when God comes into a life, he changes that life. And not only that, he gave them the tools that they needed to be able to live a separated life. God wanted his people to be distinguished different. And because of the laws he gave, he was able to bless them. And God chose his people for one reason. 
And that's because he loved the Israelite people. He chose them. He chose to love them. Just as us as Christians, God chose us because he loves us. The Israelite people had the choice to follow God or to reject him. Majority of them followed. Sometimes they would fall away and they would come back. And we see throughout scripture, some would begin to reject and God would take care of that. But God chose them to be a separated people. And do you know what the downfall of the Israelite people were? Instead of thriving in their uniqueness, they wanted to be the same as everyone else. They continued to want to go back and worship multiple gods. They wanted to have a king. God wanted to be their king, and that's the way he started it. But they said, we want to be like everybody else. And they're striving to lose their uniqueness. They didn't want to stand out in the crowd. They didn't want to be different is what was their downfall. It's exactly what led them into pagan worship and led them into the destruction of the temple. But God's people are blessed all throughout the word of God. And we see here when a curse is called upon, God chose to bless them anyway. We can also see that they are a conquering people. You know, Balak didn't like what Balaam had done. He came in and he said, I want you to curse them. And Balaam blessed them anyway. So Balak in his high and mighty nature says, I tell you what, maybe that view wasn't good enough for you. Let me take you over here. And maybe if you see them from another side, that you can curse them for me. He said, let's go to another place. And let's read what Balaam then said after he went to the Lord, beginning in 23 and verse 18. Then he took up his discourse and said, Arise, O Balak, and hear. Give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that she should repent. He has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. When he has blessed, then I cannot revoke it. He has not observed misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord, his God, is with him, and they shout of a king is among them. God brings him out of Egypt. He is for them like the thorns of the wild ox. For there is no omen against Jacob, nor is there any divination against Israel. At the proper time it shall be said to Jacob and to Israel what God has done. Behold, a people rises like a lioness, and as a lion it lifts itself. It will not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the same. He once again turned, instead of cursing, he blessed them. He began to tell of the testimony of who they were as a conquering group of people. They know and we have seen that every victory they had came from God. And we see there in verse 23, and to Israel what God has done. They were a conquering group of people because 
God set them apart. God was with them and he was giving them their victory. We see that in the Exodus out of Egypt, how when they left, they conquered the people. They took the plunder as God was giving them those victories. He also gave them victories all throughout their journey. Everywhere they went, they conquered when God told them to go. They walked for 40 years in the wilderness and their clothes and their shoes and sandals didn't wear out. God was with them, giving them victories. And while Israel walked with God, they conquered. While Israel walked with God, they conquered. We can see a correlation there that walking with God equals undefeat. We're not able to be overtaken. But we can see straying from God we see defeat. We see all the time in the Old Testament when God's people were walking with him and they were following him, they were constantly undefeated. They were protected. They had victory. And the moment they choose to move away or stray away from God, then they begin to become defeated. Armies would overtake them. We see, we just looked at not long ago, uh, I think last Sunday night when they were there and God told them to take over the promised land and they, they chose to go about their own way and not do that. And then all of a sudden they said, well, let's go take it anyway. And they went without the Lord. What happened? They were defeated. But we know the story of Jericho and we know how they go in and God told them to go take over the land. And when they did, they won those victories. People's battles today, we have battles. I have battles. And we know very well that our battles today are not against the flesh and the blood, but they're against one person, and that's Satan. And he uses these battles to come at us with temptations. He uses battles to come at us to to try to use us in his way. He sends his little demons out after us and they love to bring lies and to tempt us. But just as a conquering group of people, God's separated people, we as God's separated people can be conquering what we need is the armor of God. That's the reason we've spoken that beginning of the year. You got those cards and we pray over putting the armor of God every morning, our helmet of salvation, our breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. We shod our feet with the preparation of the peace of the gospel. Then we pick up that shield of faith that we can quench out those arrows and we grab the sword, the word of God, and then we have our greatest one and that's the prayer that we can stand with God on prayer and through his word. And when we're walking with God, when we're spending time in God's word, then we can be undefeated. But just as the Israelite people, when we stray from God, we begin to have defeat in our life. When we don't spend time in God's word, we don't seek him in the morning. Those days seem to be different. They seem to be more difficult. It seems to fall into temptation easier. And I know I encourage y'all all the time to spend time in the morning. First thing, when you get up in the Word of God, does it really matter if you spend time in the morning, in the middle of the day, or the evening with the Word of God? You're still going to spend time with God. But let me tell you why. 
two reasons it's so important to spend time first thing in the morning in the Word of God. Number one, I don't want to go through my day without having spent time with the Word of God. And secondly, I will testify to you, if I get up in the morning and I do much of anything before I spend my time in the Word of God, I'll be crawling in bed that night and I would not have read the Word of God. It just seems to be, if we don't put it forth, everything else in life is going to take precedent. I start getting emails, your phone starts ringing, you got this to do, you got that to do. And before long, you've run out of time and now you've got to run out the door and get about your day. You've got to mow the yard, you've got to eat and all these things. And it just seems in my life, if I don't do it first, oftentimes it gets left out. I believe that's the same correlation we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about tithing and it being the first thing. Not only is it a testimony believing God's going to do it, if we don't tithe on the first thing, then there's not going to be any left. But they were a a set-apart people. They were a conquering people. And we also know that they are a prosperous people. God's people are a a prosperous group of people. And when it comes to the Israelite and the Jews, they're not only prosperous with blessing, but he prospers them in many ways. If you have ever known a Jewish person in business, they're a prosperous person. I've not ran into many Jewish people that it just seems that things didn't come prosperous to them. But even beyond that, we understand that there are prosperous people. And a third time, Balak came and he was basically saying that I didn't ask you to bless them. He said in verse 27 in Numbers, then Balak said to Balaam, please come and I'll take you to another place. Perhaps it will be agreeable with God that you curse them for me from there. I don't understand Balak. God didn't do it the first time. He didn't do it the second time. My daddy's going to do it the third time. And did Balak really think that God was going to curse his own people? But Balak thought that with all he had, he could convince Balaam to curse him. So he took him up to the top of Peor. And in verse uh, chapter 24, verse 3, we see what Balaam come back a third time and responded He took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eye is opened, the oracle of him who hears the word of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down, yet having his eyes uncovered. How far are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens beside the river, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from his bucket and his seed will be many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He is for him like the horns of the wild ox. He will devour the nations who are his adversaries and will crush their bones in pieces and shatter them with his arrows. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares rouse him, blessed is everyone who blesses you, and cursed is everyone who curses you. 
They were a prosperous people. God brought them out of Egypt. And we can go all the way back. You remember what God said to Jacob. He said, go out and look at the stars. And more than you can count will be your seed. Jacob's seed, God's people, were going to be a prosperous nation. They were going to multiply as that scripture was talking about their tents and the the area that they're going to take over. Not only was it Jacob's seed, but look at how they prospered when they went into Egypt, into captivity, and they got ready to leave out of Egypt. What did God tell them? Ask the people around you. They went out with gold and silver and clothes, and God blessed them as they went through the wilderness. He gave them water. He gave them food. He provided everything for them. Not only as them being a prosperous people that God provided for them, but God was fixing to give them the land of Canaan. He was fixing to give them the promised land. And what do we know about that promised land? But it was flowing with milk and honey. It was already thriving. It was a a rich area that we talked about those grapes so big that it took two men to carry them. And it was already prepared. Where they went, they prospered. God told them to go in and to take over. They went in and they took over and they got what was there. God was constantly prospering them. His people prosper today. Us as believers, we prosper. God provides for what we need. He gives us life. He gives us freedom. He's given us eternal life. We can prosper as a set-apart people, separated from everywhere else, everyone else around us. We're called to live a different life. We are also not just a separated people, but we walk a conquering life. And we also walk a prosperous life. You know, no matter what comes against us, we must speak the truth. Regardless of what is presented in our life, we have a responsibility, just as Balaam did, to speak the truth. Let me read to you throughout these chapters some comments that Balaam made. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. He replied, must I not be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Did I not tell you whatever the Lord speaks that I must do? Did I not tell your messengers whom you had sent to me saying, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything contrary to the command of the Lord good or bad of my own accord, what the Lord speaks, that I must speak. Balaam had a boldness in what he spoke. Balaam called by the king, sent some men out there to curse. And when he didn't go at first, he sent more men. But we notice also that when the first men come, they left with the fees of divination. They left with money to pay Balaam. How many of us like money? I'm not talking about love of money, but how many of us like money? Some of us love money, but not to that extent. Here you go, Balaam. I'm going to pay you to do what I want you to do. Would you come and curse God's people? The first response, no, I can't. 
So what does he do? He gets more people, more prestigious people, and he then sends to him and says, you come and curse these people and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Wow, wouldn't that be nice? Whatever I tell the king he's going to do, that sounds real good. But Balaam stood by what God told him to do. And regardless of the opposition of the king or the people that came, he stayed to the course. We've seen three temptations to curse, and we've seen three blessings. The first curse, the elders departed with the fees for the divination, and Balaam said, I'm only able to speak all that the God puts in my mouth. Must I not be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? He basically even told those men the first time, I don't care if Balak takes his whole palace, fills it full of gold, I can only stand and speak what the Lord tells me. The second curse says, please come with me to another place. And Balaam again said, did I not tell you whatever the Lord speaks that I must do? And the third curse, he said, come and I'll take you to another place. And Balaam once again spoke. Balaam stood his ground in opposition to the king and worldly goods. We should all strive to have this aspect of Balaam. We are all put in positions every day to where we need to stand and speak what the Lord says. Those of you who are still working, have you ever been in the workplace or maybe an opportunity that comes and the boss says, you know, if you'll just overlook that, or if you'll count just a little bit different, there's a healthy raise in store for you. It happens, people, all around us. And many succumb to that. The temptation is so great. You know, it's really not that bad. Maybe I'll just, I'll turn the other way. I'll look the other way and I can get some compensation for it. You know, I've got that extra bill coming in this month. Or maybe we're entitled with a a friend and we begin to see that there's a way that we can turn and allow something to happen. We get approached not necessarily to curse people. Sometimes that does. Some of us have friends and, you know, uh, you got a party A and party B and they get into it. And all of a sudden, you're supposed to side with one over the other. And maybe the one you want to side with is the one that's in the wrong. But you know, we need to stand on what God says. We need to stand on the principles, regardless if it's the owner of the company. You know, it's his merchandise. He has the right to tell me to count it different. How many of you ever seen the movie, um, is it Courageous? The, the men and the little Mexican guy was brought in to the office and he said, you know, you've only been here a little bit of time, but I see a lot of good in you. He says, we want to give you a raise. We want to give you a promotion to be a, a supervisor. Sounded good for him. He needed it. And he was getting ready to go. And they said, oh, but there's one thing. When that shipment comes in, just put this number on there. And he walked out and he thought about it. 
and he prayed about it. And when he come back, he told them, you know, I appreciate the offer. But it said, I cannot do that. He is standing his ground in front of the boss knowing he could lose <coughs> his job. He could not receive the raise, but he said, I can only do what's right. And we know how the story turns out. That was a test and he got blessed. But when we're in our walk of life, regardless of who we're up against, we need to say what the word of God says. We need to stand on our faith and our principles in opposition against the world. Because do you know what our defeat will be? Is us wanting to be just like everyone else. We want to lose that uniqueness. We want to lose that when you walk in the room. Oh, there's that Christian. Look at him, oh goody two-shoes. You know, Satan uses those things to try to crush us. But when we stand on God's word and we hold faithful, he's going to bless us. And to be truthful as much as it would be hard to say at the time, do you know that someone that wants me to go against that, I really don't want them to be my friend. That boss that wants me to go against the law, go against the county, I really don't need that job. God will provide. And God will never remove from us without giving us something greater. But we must be like Balaam regardless of whatever angle we see it. How many times, you know, well, look at it this way. Well, let me look at it this way. You know, Mike could do it this way. We could look over here. Balaam said, I can only do what the Lord tells me to do. Let's strive to have that part of Balaam's personality that regardless what we're up against, who we're up against, we will stand on our principles and we will live out our faith, whether it's at home, at work, at school, or at play. We are a separated people. We are a conquering people, and we are a prosperous people, if we are God's people. May you bow your heads. Father God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you have called us, Father, and you've called us to live a separated life. Father, you want us to be different from the rest of the world. And Father, you're going to provide every resource we need to do that. Father, I pray through the next week you would help us to have in the back of our mind to stand on and I can only speak what you say. Father, may our personality, may our lifestyles Show us to be your people. And Father, will you provide and take care of us? And will you help us with strength from the Holy Spirit to stand in opposition of the temptations to be fulfilled and to be worldly and to be like the rest of the world? Because Father, we are different. Help us, Father, to live that out. And Father, may you shine through us. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen.